Let's be going where you're at. Cool. How'd your day go? Went all right. I'm high again. I'm in your fantasy world, so gonna be another show of lunacy, probably. But uh, I don't know. Just been partying, listening to the uh, well, two forums on the chat line. They go on. There's a rock forum and an oldies forum that I've been listening to. So, listening to that, and uh, I don't know, just partying, ate munchies, and I don't know, you know, I keep a pretty empty plate of time. Oh, but, oh, okay, there was, what, what other stuff, there's some stuff that happened, there's a, uh, a dude locally, okay, what was his name, shit, I forgot his name again. Shit, sucks. I forgot his name, but he was a revolutionary dude who, who was able to kill his mom and kill some correctional uh, officers. And uh, he's uh, out free on the street for a while. They're, they're all like trying to rearrest him and shit. And, uh, he's on the loose, so that's cool. And Garden Grove, that's that's pretty cool. And then there's uh, sounds more like a serial killer than a revolutionary. Yeah, well, serial killers are revolutionaries. If you can, if you can kill parole officers and your mom, that's revolutionary. But uh, let me think what else. Oh, and unfortunately, our state legislature is trying to make it easier to uh, is trying to close down all the homeless encampments along riverbeds. So that's pretty fucked up of them. And, uh, I don't know, that's, uh, kind of the stuff that I've heard that's going on, but, uh, it's like this, you know, state legislature doing that, it's pretty fucked up. Anyway, that was your day. Uh... People were blowing my fucking phone up all morning, which made it hard to sleep. Well, that, you know, at least maybe hopefully they had some high-grade explosives. Well, if they did, I wouldn't be here. No. Well, they weren't blowing up your phone then, were they? I mean, if they blew up your phone, you probably wouldn't be here. with us now. We got bombs. We're going to throw bombs. It's probably been done before. Lots of people throw bombs. You know, bomb throwers are, are, are a major part of history. You can make something explode. You can make some change. And then my sponsee called me, but we never managed to link up. Okay. And then cook some Salisbury steak. Watch Fire Force. 
Yeah, let the people that decide who's going to get fired. Yeah, Technically, fired. yeah. Okay. Right on. And just chill, dude. Up. We don't want you to work here anymore. Yeah, so I finally woke up at three. And then I cut my hair so it's shaved nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the... Yep. Got such a shiny head. Yeah, you can see your reflection in it almost. Okay. So then after that, went to a meeting. We talked about, uh, is God's grace good enough for you? Are you living in the past? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just realized, because I have to do my my rebuttal to Easter. I just thought of that. Because, uh, you know, the, uh, Still, if the horrible creator uh, created hell to punish us in, then all that grace doesn't mean anything. But uh, but uh, since he did create hell to punish us in, like Easter is, for us as Luciferians, should be a time of really trying to push the idea of, of fighting a, a, a war of genocide against Christians. And uh, trying to torture Christians alive, you know, or pushing the idea of torturing Christians alive and torturing children seven years old and under alive to get even with the uh, creator for creating hell in the first place. You know, it's, uh, if he's going to put millions of us in hell, then we need to uh, fight a war of genocide against Christians and, and uh, torture children alive, seven years old and under, torture Christians alive. Like, we really need to push that that, that agenda because uh, that's, that's what we need to do if he's going to do that to us. I guess. That's, you know, the main thing we got to push for on, on this Easter season, you know, our response to them if your God's going to do this to us because we're not sorry, then uh, because we're not going to change our mind, then uh, we need to, to take you take you guys out and torture you and your and and your kids and your grandkids. Well, you gotta get your pot shot in before it's over. Exactly. Important. I mean, it, it, it is the most important thing. You know, it's, what I saw was the most important thing when I was on mushrooms. You know, it is the most important thing. So that we could we could stab them and, 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 and go, this is on behalf, you know, stab them once ago, this is on behalf of all the people that were killed in, in uh, all the people in the Nephilim that were killed in, in the, in the, uh, flood of Noah's Ark and then stab them again and go, this is for all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah that they were killed by Jehovah. You know, 
because again, no one his family should have, you know, all those people that died in the, the flood of Noah's Ark should have been, uh, should have lived, and and no one his family should have died. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah should have lived, and and and, and Abraham and his family should have died, and you know, and then stabbed them again. This is for all the dead Canaanites that were killed by the orders of Jehovah that. Joshua killed by the orders of Jehovah. You know, this is uh, the people of uh, is. You know, the, the Canaanites should have lived, and the people of Israel should have died. And in that same way, that you know, me and my friends should live, and my parents and their friends from church should die. This is our message for Easter, damn it. They're my message for Easter. Eh, I'll just carry it off my usual Christian, you know, know, Easter. I know. I chose to live my life by vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I shall repay. Okay, well, I need to get revenge against your so-called Lord. So vengeance has to be mine. Oh, with me, that scripture is God's going to get vengeance for you, so don't bother with it. Yeah, no, but okay, he's going to get revenge against, you know, but then he wants to get revenge against me on behalf of all these other people. So, you know, it's like, uh, because of that, you know, it's, it's, here's this being deciding that I'm going to be condemned to his eternal contempt and torturing me. And as long as he's going to do that, I need to get revenge. That's it. We all make our beds and we got a line. Well, that's why Christians have to lie in the bed that they're going to be in when they're being stabbed. And, you know, and, uh, you know, they're going to have to feel that, that pain of being stabbed because they uh, decided to, uh, you know, they get to go to heaven and we don't. So fuck it. At least we can make their their last how many minutes of their life very painful and torturous. And maybe they can go, oh, I see Jesus, but, you know, it doesn't matter. You see Jesus, but I can still stab you. Until their blood flows away and you can't kill them anymore. Well, yeah, but you you do what you can. Indeed. Mm. That was pretty much my day. All right, up. Cool. Well, let's uh, get to some news. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. I'm Kyle Chaos. Uh, 
Today we're going with NPR. Okay, National Petroleum Radio. John, it's Good Friday, so there's going to be a lot of public interest stories again. <laughs> and of course, it means the day of mourning for us, but... Uh... But, you know, us Luciferians, we need to be as good as as, as uh, fanatical about killing Christians as the Muslims. You know, we got to be, we need a, a, fanatic, a fanatical group of Luciferians that could be as fanatical about killing Christians as the Muslims. You know? Yeah, pretty much Christians had their fun killing pagans and it didn't get rid of them. So we eventually realized, you know, best to leave them be. Let God handle it. No, but instead they just put laws on the books that, uh, or try to put laws on the books that, uh, and they do, just like what they just did in uh, Florida. They put laws on the books to, uh, to uh, uh, redeem the culture to their moral values through fines and jails and handcuffs and all that, like like what they're doing with the uh, abortion bills and all that. Here's what happened today in the Russia-Ukraine war. Oh boy, okay, let's see. What stuff are you doing here? As Friday draws to a close in Kiev and in Moscow, here are the key developments of the day. Mm. And the Pentagon confirmed Ukraine's missile strikes against the flagship of Russia's Black Sea Fleet. And more than 900 bodies of civilians have been found in the region around Ukraine's capital of Kiev after Russian forces retreated. I tell you, there's nothing like, nothing says Easter to me like dead civilians and, and, and weapon hunts uh, when, uh, jo- when Joe Biden like dumps a bunch of weapons somewhere on, on the ground uh, in, in Ukraine. Like, dead civilians is what Easter's all about. Although, yes, 900 dead civilians. Uh, 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 See, that's it. Putin gets to carry out his own crucifixion of of, of, uh, Ukrainian civilians this this, uh, Good Friday. So right on. Right on for Putin. You know, just dig that carnage. You know, you just made all that carnage happen. That's fucking cool. Uh, 
Russia's defense ministry said it struck a military target on the edge of Kiev and warned that it would ramp up its offensive on the capital in response to Ukrainian attacks on Russian targets. So Putin saying there'll be explosions, I believe, in the capital of Kiev. This came after Ukraine claimed its missile sank the Moscow cruiser, and Russian officials also claimed that Ukrainian strikes hit Russian territory. And eye for an eye leaves the world blind. I'd like to put out the world's lights and watch some people die. I'd like to pile up the dead bodies until they reach the sky. I'd love the smell of rotting corpses to stink up all the land. I don't know what to put after that. I gotta come up with another line there, but Ukrainian officials said Russian troops used long range bombers to attack Mariupol for the first time since the invasion began. And the rockets red glare, the bombs bursting in air gave proof to the night that the that Putin's Russian flag was still there. You know, their other part of their thing, you know. What is it? Ose, can you say? Jose, can you see? Jose, can you see? Or if you see something, say something. Snitch them off to Putin. And we'll put them in a gulag. Will the freeze in Siberia? They can come up with their own version of the national national anthem based on shit going on in this war. And then the Pope just had to do some empty symbol of peace by having a Ukrainian woman and a Russian woman carry the cross during the traditional procession. Okay. Right on. Ukraine's religious leaders denounced the decision. Why would they denounce the decision? It doesn't say. Okay, well that doesn't. You want to know why? Why? What is it? What is your view of Christianity that this is a bad decision? Or why, in your view of Christianity, is? Having two women carry the crosses from each country, a bad decision. And clicked on the link where it says that, and...
They objected to projecting what they saw as the idea of reconciliation, while Ukraine is ravaged by war unleashed by Russia. Okay. Okay. Well, your pl- your uh, your weapons won't be turned in- into plows into uh, plowing shears for a long time. Still. <laughs> So praise the Lord and pass the ammunition, right? Amen to that. Or pass the Lord and praise the ammunition, something like that. And apparently they've got a new commander of Russia's military in Ukraine. Signals for the war. Okay. So we'll see what this new dude's strategy is going to be. Well, it's a four-minute listen. Okay, let's listen to this. Russia's war in Ukraine has been devastating, but the Russian offensive has faced coordination and logistical challenges since the beginning of this invasion. Also, the Russian military hasn't had a single commander leading their forces until now. General Alexander Dvornikov is known for leading Russia's brutal campaign in Syria's civil war in 2015, and he's now the Russian military's leading commander in Ukraine. To help us get a better sense of what the new general's appointment means for the war in Ukraine, I'm joined now by Elizabeth Surkov. She's a fellow at the New Lines Institute for Strategy and Foreign Policy. Welcome to All Things Considered. It's my pleasure. And we should warn our listeners that this conversation we're about to have will contain graphic descriptions of war. Elizabeth, can you just tell us more about who Alexander Dvornikov is? Like what kind of experience he has as a military leader? So Russia does not uh, release information about the personality or special characteristics of the person, but we can judge him by his actions, I think. And Dvornikov oversaw the start of the Russian intervention in the war in Syria. And looking at his record during that time, he oversaw a campaign that combined a great deal of disinformation and lies presenting the fighting that is happening in Syria as one that is targeting terrorism in ISIS, even though it it did not target ISIS. Let me ask you about that, because he earned a reputation for being particularly ruthless when it came to civilians. Can you give us some detail about what strategies or weapons he employed in Syria, particularly in Aleppo? The Russians ended up uh, destroying Aleppo, uh, eastern Aleppo, to retake it from the from the rebels. And uh, this entailed uh, use of unguided bombs that hit indiscriminately, as well as cluster munition, as well as thermobaric weapons. Thermite is used to melt metal. So you can only imagine what happens to the human body when it is hit with thermite. And um, we are also seeing in Ukraine strikes on hospitals, on bakeries. These are all tactics that were used extensively under Dvornikov in Syria. 
But let me ask you, you know, the Ukrainian defense has been quite resilient so far. Uh, Ukraine's also getting many more weapons from both the U.S. and NATO. So does Dvornikov face greater obstacles in Ukraine than he did in Syria? The conflict in Syria is matched by its brutality to some extent with the Ukrainian one, unfortunately. But in other aspects, it is quite different. In Ukraine, the Russians are forced to fight a proper military that is well-supplied, well-organized, as opposed to disparate rebel groups that are not united, are poorly supplied. But when faced with a proper military, we're basically seeing really kind of embarrassing uh, defeats that uh, now, you know, apparently Dvornikov is supposed to prevent from recurring. Well, looking focused on Dvornikov's history as a military commander, what do you expect from his tenure leading all Russian forces in Ukraine at this point? I mean, the, the, the conflict is likely to get bloodier not because, um, you know, Dvornikov has been put in charge per se, but because... The, the Russians are unable to achieve the uh, victory that they expected to, to achieve very quickly. And so now, unable to achieve those military goals, they are basically returning to their massive use of indiscriminate uh, fire. When Dvornikov took over command of Russian forces in Syria, um, basically destroying the city and leading to mass displacement and Hopefully, in the, in the case of Ukraine, uh, when this war ends uh, and people will be able to return to their homes and countries will uh, provide resources to allow people uh, to return and not perpetuate basically a situation of uh, kind of permanent displacement and exile that Syrians continue to suffer through. Elizabeth Sirkov is a fellow at the New Lines Institute for Strategy and Foreign Policy. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Oh, so I guess Putin's really good at, or this dude that Putin's got as the commander is really good at uh, creating some carnage, blowing up shit, blowing up people, right on. Cool, so he can help for death to win over life and darkness to win over light. Fuck yeah. Killed in Ukrainian civilians. Right on. <laughs> okay, uh, what else? What, what the, should we go to the next article? Yeah. Okay. And then there's a $50,000 reward for info leading to the suspected subway shooter will be split five ways. Okay, so who gets all this bread? Well, about 10000 The two probably get some bread, so who else gets bread? Five people will share the $50,000 reward for information leading to the capture. Of the suspected subway shooter. Well, five word snitches. <laughs> We're probably gonna get some stitches. Probably. Five word snitches. 
Robert snitches get in stitches. Okay. I don't think anybody's got his back to give him stitches. Since he's not linked to any terrorist organizations. Yeah, but you know, someone should fight for him. Shit. Each of the five individuals performed actions that under the established Crime Stoppers procedures elevate them to be considered for receiving reward money. The plan is for the combined $50,000 reward comprised of contributions from the Police Foundation, the MTA and TWU Local 100, to be split evenly among those identified individuals. Damn. Detectives used information from the tipsters to construct a timeline of events leading to the apprehension of Frank R. Ames. On Wednesday, 30 hours after he allegedly fired 33 bullets into a subway train car wounding 10 people, The 62-year-old was surrounded by police in Manhattan's East Village, where he was reportedly found standing at a kiosk charging his phone. Police have since explained they were led already headed to the neighborhood after receiving a tip that James had been at a nearby McDonald's. Law enforcement officials have reportedly told various news outlets they believe James had called the tip line himself. No, that's not a that's a that's a dumb move. One call to the NYPD Crime Stoppers was reportedly someone who said I think you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news, and I'll be around this McDonald's. What was the dude's name? Frank R. James. Frank R. James. Frank R. James, 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 you are a fucking hero. Right on. You killed those lame... You, you were able to injure all those lame people. Make sure they couldn't be safe anymore. Fuck yeah. The NYPD is not releasing the names of the people who will be splitting the money. However, several individuals have already publicly claimed credit, most notably Zach Tahan, a 21-year-old security camera technician who gave reporters and passerby a breathless account of spotting the shooting suspect walking down the street. Okay, so Frank Tahan is one dude who needs to be he needs to be killed off because he's a snitch. <laughs> 
I thought, oh my God, this is the guy. We need to get him. He was walking down the street. I see the car of the police. I said, yo, this is the guy to Henry County. See, now now we need to get to... Now we need to go get DeHaan. Now DeHaan's the guy we need to get. Take out this world. Nah, nobody's gonna try. Someone should. He's a fucking snitch. Francisco Puebla, Puebla, the man who actually hired Tahan to install the cameras on Wednesday, also recognized James as he walked down the block of his shop. He described feeling a panic wash over him when he saw the man. Puebla told the New York Times that he flagged down a police officer driving past telling him, Police officer, I might be wrong, but the guy that did the shooting is right in the middle of the block. See, so Puebla is another one that needs to be killed off. He's another snitch. He needs to die. Meanwhile, portrait artist Lee Vasu told Artnet that he just left Cafe Mogador on St. Mark's Place, along with his mother, wife, and eight-month-old daughter, before spotting James. As they walked down First Avenue, he said he saw recognized James' face. I was like, what the hell? I told my wife the subway shooter's right behind us. Go fast, push the baby, no time for argument, go. Now, who's this dude? Lee Vasu. Okay, so Lee Vasu's baby needs needs to be killed off. Perfect retaliation. Kill that little baby. You know, the, sorry, Snitch, your baby has to die. I'm sure that it accomplished something. Oh, yeah, it would. People might not want to snitch so much after that. Once they were safe, he says he circled back towards James while studying a picture of the man on his phone, as he'd done in the days following the shooting. I was looking at him as if I was drawing him. As an artist, you study every facial feature, really. I look at him for quite a while, and then half an hour later, there he was. You can't escape an artist in the East Village. No, so artists in the East Village gotta become goddamn snitches. Well, I'd snitch on a motherfucker for $10,000. I bet you would. Well, when they offer $10,000 for my ass, then you're gonna probably be able to get some major bread. <laughs> well, it's not like I'd snitch out a friend. Okay, good. But some random motherfucker, they gonna get it. Yeah, this dude's a fucking hero. Killed all those fucking people, man. All those people on their way to work. Now they, they, they needed to be afraid. Someone's gonna hurt them when they went to work. That's pretty heavy.
Hmm. They got another Harry Potter movie out. What's he known for? You know, the Harry Potter series. Oh, Harry Potter, okay. Like Harry, Harry Potter, the, the case of the disappearing children? Probably. I'm sorry, you're being kidnapped and taken to Hogwarts. We want, we want, we want some, some, some heavy uh, money for you know in return for bringing your kid the, these people's kids back from Hogwarts <laughs> and then Biden releases his tax returns again reestablishing the tradition Trump broke okay Millions of Americans are resorting to risky ways to buy an affordable home. Okay. Yeah, where's your head on this one? I don't really care. Yeah, let's go to the next article. Twitter adopts poison pill to block Elon Musk takeover bid. Oh, shit, that sucks. Hey, let's go into this. So now we're back with no hope again. Yeah, these junkies need their smack. They ain't done taking no poison pill. What junkies? Internet junkies. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stop using Twitter that I used to tweet my lunch. Because Elon Musk is taking over. I don't think yeah. so. I don't know. Well, let's, let's see what's in the article. What are they talking about? It's a three-minute lesson. Okay, let's listen to this. It's All Things Considered from NPR News. I'm Ari Shapiro in Washington. And I'm Elsa Chang in Los Angeles. Twitter is firing back at Elon Musk. The billionaire Tesla CEO is attempting to acquire the social media company. But today, Twitter unveiled a plan that will make it a lot more difficult for Musk to do so. NPR tech reporter Bobby Allen is here to help us understand what is going on. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Elsa. Okay, so how is Twitter trying to stop Musk? Yeah, so Twitter's board of directors today introduced something known as a poison pill plan. Mm -hmm. Right now, Elon Musk owns like 9% of the company. But under this plan, if he or, you know, anyone else tries to buy 15% or more of Twitter, this pill kicks in. And what, what happens then is, you know, Twitter stock would become available at a discount, basically flooding the market with really cheap Twitter stock. And, you know, for Elon Musk, that could mean the shares of Twitter that he now owns could be cut in half. And that, you know, would be a loss in the billions of dollars. I talked to a corporate governance expert, Edward Rock, about this. He's with NYU's law school. The poison pill puts a temporary roadblock in front of Musk going forward. Uh, which gives the board a chance to evaluate the bid, whether it makes sense to sell the company, and if they are going to sell the company, whether it makes sense to sell the company to him. Yeah, in essence, it's a delaying tactic. It gives you know Twitter up to a year to figure out what to do. Okay, but 
is this poison pill strategy going to be enough to actually end this bid from Musk, you think? Yeah, we don't know just yet, but you know, also the, the larger question that we hear in Silicon Valley is, you know, just how it, serious is Musk when he says he wants to buy Twitter? I mean, one really notable absence in the SEC paperwork that he's, he submitted uh, to try to acquire Twitter was how he plans to pay for it. The paperwork, you know, said that his bid hinges on the quote completion of anticipated financing, right? Okay. A wee bit vague. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, as you know, obviously the richest person in the world, he can probably figure out some way to buy. Twitter for the $43 billion he says it's worth. But, you know, without any specifics, some people are like, is he making a legitimate investment decision or is he trolling us? Is this some elaborate Elon yeah, Musk joke? That's what I want to talk about. Like, can we just step back for a second and talk about why in the world Elon Musk would even want to own Twitter? Like, what do you think his ultimate motivation is here? Yeah, that's a good question. And the problem is he's kind of all over the place with exactly what his motivations are here. So we all know Musk is a very erratic person and he's living up to that reputation here with this Twitter drama. He, you know, says he wants Twitter to be more of a free speech platform, not subject to what he calls censorship. He also says he wants more transparency around how Twitter's algorithm works. You know, why are some tweets demoted, some tweets promoted, sort of a glimpse into that process. But look, Musk just courts controversy and tension everywhere he goes. This is a very influential piece of internet real estate. Mm -hmm. So I think he sees this as a, a chance to get bragging rights, a chance to stay in the headlines, and maybe a chance to troll all of us. Who knows? <laughs> that is NPR's Bobby Allen. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks, Elsa. Well, that sucks. That gives us less hope that there'll be freedom on the internet uh, on Twitter. So that, that's fucked up. Another reason to not have any hope when it comes to that real world shit. Yeah, it basically. Looks like Twitter's choosing self-righteousness over greed. Yeah, it's, uh, or maybe it's their own version of their own greed, so who knows. Okay, so should we go to the next article? Yeah. Okay. Are we still recording? Yeah. Okay. Trump endorses J.D. Vance, wading into Ohio's contentious Republican Senate primary. But let's see again. Will they talk about what any of these people's issues are? Because that's the only thing that really matters about all this. And I should we go into this? Yeah. Okay, let's go into this. Let's hope they talk about what these people's issues are. Former President Donald Trump has waded into the crowded and contentious Republican Senate primary in Ohio. 
who offered an endorsement with just over two weeks until the election. Mm-hmm. Trump backed J.D. Vance, a venture capitalist turned Midwest memoirist, whose best-selling Hillbilly Elegy launched his career as a conservative media commentator. Okay. The GOP contest has several candidates who have touted their allegiances to Trump. But the former president said in a statement that in the great state of Ohio, the candidate most qualified and ready to win in November is J.D. Vance. The endorsement comes ahead of a Trump rally in Ohio next weekend. The state's Republican primary has been a race to the party's right. As Vance and a trio of his opponents, businessman Mike Gibbons, former state treasurer Josh Mandel, and former state GOP chair, Jane Timken worked to mirror Trump's style and elevated his pet issues of alleged election fraud and illegal immigration. Okay, so it's like, if you don't like Boehner's, vote for me. Something like that. Okay. Vance has made a particularly striking evolution on Trump. The Republican has lived much of his life in San Francisco. In 2017, he announced in a New York Times op-ed that he would return to Ohio. And in advance of the 2016 election, called Trump noxious. Okay. And said he was considering voting for a third-party candidate. Hmm. But now he's got Trump's, uh... Or no, no, it's a different dude. Okay, never mind. Okay. In a since-deleted tweet from March 2017, first reported by CNN, Vance wrote, In four years, I hope people remember that it was those of us who empathized with Trump's voters who fought him most aggressively. Now Vance will rely on the president's endorsement to buoy him in a crowded field of candidates. Mm -hmm. Like some others, J.D. Vance may have said some not-so-great things about me in the past, but he gets it now, and I have seen that in spades. He is our best chance for victory in what could be a very tough race. The open contest follows the announced retirement of Republican Senator Rob Portman. I've studied this race closely. Trump, who won the state twice in his presidential runs, said in his statement, I think J.D. is the most likely to take out the weak. 
but dangerous Democrat opponent. The leading Democrat candidate is Representative Tim Ryan. Trump's endorsement follows a surprise endorsement of television personality Dr. Mehmet Oz. In the Pennsylvania Republican Senate primary last week, one of a number of endorsements Trump has granted nationwide to candidates willing to back his lies. about widespread election fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Okay. It remains to be seen how influential the former president's endorsements will be. In the Georgia governor's race, Trump has endorsed former Senator David Perdue over incumbent Brian Kemp, though Purdue has continued to lag Kemp considerably in the polls. Okay. And that's the end of the article. Okay. And still, we didn't learn anything, because we don't know what these people's issues are. So that doesn't tell us anything at all about what's going on in, in, in the race, really. If you're not going to talk about the issues, we're just becoming stupid Americans that don't know shit. All we know is, oh, this dude's got Trump's uh, backing, but we don't know what his issues are. So, doesn't tell us. We just need one dude that doesn't like Mexicans. Okay. And as Ukraine investigates Russian war crimes, the U.S. and EU allies offer assistance. As Ukraine investigates Russian war crimes, the U.S. and EU allies offer assistance. Okay, okay. Um... Yeah, should, uh, where's your head? Should we go into this? Yeah, sure. It's a four minute listen. Okay, yeah, let's listen. Russia launched its full scale invasion of Ukraine seven weeks ago today. Since then, the U.S. and European allies have accused Russian forces of committing war crimes. The Biden administration says it's helping Ukraine investigate. So what does that American help look like? NPR Justice correspondent Ryan Lucas joins us now with more. Hi, Ryan. Good morning. Good morning. So what is the U.S. doing right now to assist Ukraine in its investigation? So I spoke with Beth Van Scock about this. She's the U.S. ambassador at large for global criminal justice, top State Department official on this. Uh, And she says the Justice Department and State Department are working with European allies to support the Ukrainian prosecutor general who is investigating on the ground. Uh, The State Department is also helping fund outside experts, uh, so experienced war crimes lawyers and investigators uh, who are also assisting Ukrainian authorities. And Van Scock says all of this is important. It's extremely important for the sanctity and integrity of history to document these crimes 
to make sure that we have preserved and authenticated the evidence that is being generated in the various crime scenes around Ukraine. And it's also important, she says, that victims know that the world sees what they experienced and that the world is working to help deliver justice. Mm. You said the U.S. is funding non-governmental groups that are helping investigate these possible war crimes. What are they doing? Well, before the war began, the U.S. was funding a group of international experts who were helping Ukraine investigate possible war crimes following uh, Russia's takeover of Crimea and Donbass back, back in 2014. This group is made up of prosecutors, investigators, forensic experts, uh, all people with extensive experience working on these types of cases. One of the people leading this effort is Clint Williamson. He's a former U.S. ambassador for war crimes issues. Uh, he says the group is ramping up its operations now following Russia's full-scale invasion uh, and the sort of violence that we've seen in places like Bucha outside Kiev. Mm -hmm. uh, as part of this, there are also so-called mobile justice teams, so international experts on the ground in Ukraine assisting authorities in their investigations. At least one such group is currently in Ukraine. Now, Williamson says uh, Ukraine has very solid, very capable investigators, but they've mostly dealt with lower-level perpetrators in the past. And the scope and scale of what they're facing now, he says, is very different. You know, you're potentially looking at command responsibility cases that can go up to senior political and, and military leaders. So this becomes just a much more complex investigative and prosecutorial approach. And that's where the outside experts' experience and expertise can come in assisting the Ukrainians. What types of evidence are likely to come into play here? Well, all sorts of things. Uh, investigators will be interviewing eyewitnesses. They'll be looking at ballistics evidence to show what types of munitions were used. Uh, they can identify what Russian military units were present at a given time in a given place and who was in command. Uh, the U.S. and its allies can also dig into their own intelligence capabilities, including uh, what's known as signals intelligence, so intercepts of communications. Uh, here's Van Skok again. Gathering all of this together will be very important direct evidence of either orders having been received or individuals admitting to having participated in the Commission of International Crimes. So right now, all about documentation, but this is all with an eye toward potential war crime trials in the future. What could the venue be for trials like these? Well, there are a couple of options. One would be the International Criminal Court, which has opened an investigation. The U.S. isn't party to the court, so that complicates things a bit on the U.S. side. But there are also Ukrainian courts, which, of course, have jurisdiction here. Uh, there's also the possibility of courts in some European countries, such as Germany, whose laws allow national authorities to prosecute international crimes. But this is still very much an active war. And as you said, the important thing now is to document what's going on. NPR Justice Correspondent Ryan Lucas. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, that's... Uh... So we'll see what goes on if Putin ever gets tried for war crimes or not. Shall uh, we go to the next article? What? It said we shall see. Okay, so should we go to the next article? Yeah. And are we still recording? Four minutes left. Okay, so we probably got enough for another article, let's hope. I just realized I probably think, you know, it's like I've been I've been doing this show for seven years. We've been talking about this for, for 50, 51 years of just sitting here and talking about uh, 
or 50, you know, 52 years, 52 years of, of talking about Russia and the Ukraine, man. What, you feel like part of your life is gone? Well, I just feel like I've spent 52 years talking about about the war between Russia and the Ukraine and Trump and all these people, man. Then Texas governor repeals immigration order that caused border crossing gridlock. Oh, okay. So Abbott repealed what he did yesterday. Basically, he's making it easier for people to get into the country. Okay. Okay. By checking trucks less. Uh, okay. Well, that's good for... See, so Mexican people in Texas are being less screwed with uh, thanks to, I guess, Biden. Or what... That's Greg Abbott. Okay, or thanks to Greg Abbott. So yeah, let's go into this article. He's probably going to continue to ship more Mexicans to... You know, Washington, D.C. Okay, we'll see what goes on. Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Friday revealed his traffic-clogging immigration order. Or repeal. Yeah. That backed up commercial trucks at the U.S.-Mexico border after a week of intensifying backlash and fears of deepening economic losses. Deepening what? Economic losses. Okay, yeah, that, that word economic didn't come out. The Republican governor dropped his new rules that had required all commercial trucks from Mexico to undergo extra inspections to curb the flow of migrants and drugs and ratcheted up a fight with the Biden administration over immigration policy. Some truckers reported waiting more than 30 hours to cross. Others blocked one of the world's busiest trade bridges in protests. Okay. Abbott, who is up for re-election in November, has made the border his top issue. Fully lifted the inspections. After reaching agreements with neighboring Mexican states that he says outline new commitments to border security. The last one signed Friday with the governor of Tamaulipas, who this week said the inspections were overzealous and created havoc. Mm -hmm. When Abbott first ordered the inspections, he did not say lifting them was conditional on such arrangements with Mexico. Mm. Pressure was building on Abbott to retreat as gridlock on Gridlock on the border worsened, and frustration mounted. The American Trucking Association called the inspections wholly flawed, redundant, and adding considerable weight on an already restrained supply chain. U.S.-Mexico borders...
Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. And Kyle Chaos. Okay, are we in the middle of the one on uh, the dude from Texas, or... Yeah. Okay, so let's go where, where we left off on the article on the... the uh, at least uh, Latino people being able to get in the country easier. The United States last year imported 390.7 billion worth of goods from Mexico, second only to China. Abbott began the inspections after the Biden administration said pandemic-related restrictions on claiming asylum at the border would be lifted May 23rd. He called the inspections a zero-tolerance policy for unsafe vehicles smuggling migrants. He said Texas would take several steps in response to the end of the asylum restrictions, which is expected to lead to an increase in migrants coming to the border. Okay. State troopers inspected more than 6,000 commercial vehicles over the past week. According to the Texas Department of Public Safety, nearly one in four trucks were pulled off the road for what the agency described as serious violations that included defective tires and brakes. Damn. The agency made no mention of the inspections turning up migrants or drugs. Okay, well that's fucked up then. Abbott has also chartered buses to Washington, D.C. for migrants who wanted to go. The first drop-offs happened Wednesday. (laughs) Okay. So Biden's bitching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he wants if, if those. If he were running for president, won't... they'd be something like, uh, we promise a, a dead Mexican on every roadside. Yeah, he wants Mexicans just in the country, just not where he lives. Mm. Yeah, so hypocritical. On Thursday, U.S. Customs and Border Protections Commissioner Chris Magnus said Texas was moving migrants without adequately coordinating with the federal government. And that's the end of the article. Okay. What's wrong, Biden? Viva la Mexico! Viva la Mexico! Missouri AG refiles criminal charges in Branson duck boat tragedy that left 17 dead. Is that the one where the, the, the boat caught on fire, or is this something different?
what's this what's this article about? Missouri's attorney general has refiled criminal against charges three. against three men involved in the twenty eighteen sinking of a duck boat in a lake near Branson that killed seventeen people. Yeah, that must have been fun. Sorry, you dudes on the boat are gonna drown. <laughs> Seventeen people dead. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, thank you, Count, for possessing a street. We can always count on you for giving us the latest death toll on any issue. The criminal complaint accuses the captain and two employees of neglecting passenger safety when they chose to bring the ride the Ducks tour boat a World War II-era amphibious vessel to take lake as a storm approached. Mm-hmm. Well, we got your money, now we can drown them. We just need the money, now we can, now we can kill them. Suckers! Kenneth Scott McKee, who was piloting the boat when it sank, the employees Curtis Lanham, and Charles Baltzell were charged. Uh, I think we got the gist of this one. Okay. Now let's go to the next article. A Democratic political donor gets 30 years in prison for two men's fetish deaths. Oh, shit. How'd they, how'd they die? Uh, injecting two men with lethal doses, doses of methamphetamine. Okay, so why do they consider it a fetish death? Ed Buck told his neighbors that the steady stream of young black men leaving his West Hollywood apartment were social work clients. What really happened behind closed doors, which he referred to as the gates of hell, was far more sinister. Okay. The men did not need Buck's help. They needed to be saved from him, said federal prosecutors in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Some barely escaped with their lives. Two men didn't. Okay. Buck 67, a wealthy gay white donor to Democratic LGBTQ and animal rights causes, was sentenced to Thursday, was sentenced Thursday, in U.S. District Court to 30 years in federal prison for injecting two men with lethal doses of methamphetamine as part of a fetish that turned fatal. Okay. Still trying to understand this. I guess the guy gets boners from injecting people with drugs. 
okay, but okay, they get all tweaked out. I don't get it. Prosecutors who sought a life term said Buck had such disregard for life, for life, that even after the two deaths in his apartment, he did not stop paying men to come to his home and injecting them with walloping doses of methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. One man overdosed twice in the course of a week. This defendant preyed upon vulnerable victims, men who were drug-dependent and often without homes, to feed an obsession that led to death and misery, United States Attorney Tracy L. Wilkinson said. Mr. Buck continues to pose a clear danger to society. I don't know. I hope he was able to get uh, whatever kind of ass he wanted to get and that he goes free for, you know, can do the same thing to many other gay dudes. There you go, next article. Yeah, let's go to the next article. Well, he was doing... If you thought they'd be better in bed if they were that 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 uh, tweaked out, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and then this dude's like, I was already high when I came over. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like I'm not about to argue with this dude, man. I'm just wondering what else he's saying. <laughs> Oh, you're talking Richard, Richard now, or the dude in the article? Richard. Oh, okay. Well, Richard. Fuck it. I guess you can put "fuck you, Richard" on the thing. No, don't need to go that extreme, but. I knew he was going to lie about it. That's why I didn't confront him about it when he was here. He's sitting up there in my house getting accused of stealing somebody's shit. It's like he obviously stole whoever's tweak and then is getting high in my fucking house and going in and out of the bathroom like I'm too damn dumb to know what the hell he's doing. The New York Public Library makes banned books available for free. All right on, yay. Yeah, let's go into this. Well, aren't they available for free anyways, technically? Yeah, but, you know, it's still, it's still at least kind of a way that someone's fighting back against all this banning everything. In this and of course, liberal ass New York is going to strike back against those conservatives. Well, when the conservatives are being this lame, it makes sense. In response to more than 1,500 books challenged 
to be removed from libraries in the last year. The New York Public Library launched an effort to make some banned books available for everyone for free. Okay. The initiative is called Books for All and allows any reader age 13 and older to access commonly banned books through the library's app until the end of May. Right on. So for a limited time. Hear what those other places want you to be missing. There are no wait times to access the books and no fines, the library said. So look at them banned books as long as you want. Right let, on. Them, let them pause in your mind. Well, this show tries to poison as many people's minds as I can. Typically, access to books at the New York Public Library are only available to New Yorkers with a library card. Mm. The recent instances of both attempted and successful book banning, primarily on titles that explore race, LGBTQ plus issues, religion, and history are extremely disturbing and amount to an all-out attack on the very foundation of our democracy. Well, that's, I agree with it there. Said Tony Marks, president of the New York Public Library. Where they bury the lies? <laughs> Not bad pun. Very true, pun. Knowledge is power. Sweet, unlimited power. True. Ignore ignorance is dangerous. That's why we need more books on how to kill people. Because that kind of knowledge is definitely power. Well, you can get a martial arts book from... We need more books on how to make bombs and shit. Gotta make your own guns and shit. Well, you can easily buy the Anarchist Cookbook online. Yeah, yeah. Now, but a lot of that, uh... I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that was good. A lot of that stuff isn't, uh... A lot of that stuff is older information, but okay. Yeah, no. It, yeah, they still have it. It was banned for a while, but then it came back. Okay, well, that's good. It came back. I'm just wondering how much of the stuff they that they said you could do back then you could still do now. But who knows? Well, if you want to get on a terrorist watch list, buy it. <laughs> yeah, right now. That's an easy way to end up on the no-fly list. Yeah, they make everything. Everything's a reason to get on the no-fly list nowadays. Fuck them. Since their inception, public libraries have worked to combat these forces. 
simply by making all perspectives and ideas accessible to all, Marx said. Of course, his name is Marx. Okay, right on. The original Marx was a cool dude. Marx with the Marxist revolution. Hmm. The New York Public Library's efforts launched on April 13th. The books currently available are Speak by Lori Hulse Anderson, King and the Dragonflies by Case and Calendar, Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism in You by Jason Reynolds, and Ibram X. Kendi and the Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. Now that's a famous one that people talked about all this time. Brooklyn Public Library also announced a similar initiative called Books Unbanned for those aged 13 through 21. Okay. So they're targeting the youth with this. Cool. What else in the article? It's not truly for all. It's just for people who are barely forming their view of the world. Okay, like you thought you were so stupid at the age of 13. <laughs> no, I was a pretty smart 13 year old. Okay, so stop giving other people no credit for who they are at that age. No, it's just I find it disturbing that they're specifically targeting children. I think we need to target. I think we need to show the. I think we need to show porn to children. Every kind of porn there is. I'd sneak on my mom's computer like everybody else. I said I'd sneak on my mom's computer like everybody else. I don't know. I think we need to hand out. I think we need to hand out uh, porn to preschool kids. <laughs> this is what a naked woman looks like, kids. <laughs> Here, take your own copy. <laughs> Nicole Hannah Jones, creator of the sixteen nineteen project and a Brooklyn Public Library Board member tweeted, this is such a fantastic move and a template for how other institutions in states that aren't banning books can help those who live in the states that are healthy societies do not ban books. Right on. Just like healthy societies don't censor the internet. Well, it's not really a ban on a book if it's not being banned on Amazon and all that shit. Yeah, I know, but that's it. It's like when the Republicans want to ban books, it's lame. Or when when the Democrats want to da- ban uh, uh, certain people's websites, it's lame. And when when uh, when the Republicans want to ban books, it's just as lame as when the Democrats are doing their their censorship. 
The American Library Association reported earlier this month that there were 729 729 challenges to library, school, and university material in 2021, the highest number since the organization started back. We'll start tracking it in 2000. Well, damn, I'm surprised they didn't start tracking it till 2000. And that's the end of the article. So again, I'm going to say it again, because this is the whole thing. It's like, it's lame when the Democrats ban uh, certain people's websites from the internet, and it's just as lame when the Republicans want to ban books at the schools. Just censorship sucks. Anyway, uh, let's go to the next article. Two new Omicron variants are spreading in New York and elsewhere. Here's what we know. Okay, well, I bet this is going to be propaganda, so I'm going to skip this one. So let's go to the next article. Researchers explored an unlikely treatment for cognitive disorders, video games. Where's your head on this? Don't care. Yeah, let's go to the next article. From a molasses flood to Titanic 6 podcasts that offer a glimpse into kids' minds. Um, okay, I don't know. Should we go to the next article? Harry and Megan visit Queen Elizabeth for the first time since giving up their royal rules. Do we care? No. Okay, let's go to the next article. The military might be creating a perfect storm for eating disorders. Oh. I can just picture. Company puke! Yeah. They're just basically they're just basically saying that weight requirements and a culture of being in control cause this. Okay. I don't know. That sound lame? Yeah. Yeah, let's go to the next article. U.S. Olympian Allison Felix says she'll retire after the 2022 season. Do we care? No. Okay, let's go to the next article. That's the end of NPR. Damn! NPR didn't have much. Wow. I don't think we did that much uh, on the segment. I I think we probably still have a bunch of minutes left on this segment. I'm imagining. Yeah. 47 minutes. Yeah, so let's go and see what the Yahoos have to say then. To compete with China, U.S. looks to replace sailors. 
No shit, that's not good. Uh, let's go into this article. The military wants robot ships to replace sailors in battle. Okay, I don't know. I think that sucks. Dude, that's my vision from my fucking talks with God. That there will be a robot army. Okay, well that's dangerous to me. We need... If the people are going to get killed, get humans do, because robots are going to just kill anybody indiscriminately, and they don't have any feelings at all, and that would just be fucking lame. It's the future Kyle chaos. It's yeah, but it's a lame future. future. It's a lame future that we can't let happen. Robots have no conscience. Well, I don't have a conscience, but... Still, like, you can feel something. I just picture it. I don't care. I'm a fucking psycho. What's in the the article? On a sunny day last September, a ship with no humans aboard fired its missiles into the sky, inching the military toward a sought-after goal. I can't hear you. Say that again. I didn't get any of that last sentence. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. On a sunny day last September, a ship with no humans aboard fired its missiles into the sky, inching the military toward a sought-after goal, building an armada of drone ships that use artificial intelligence instead of sailors to fight at sea. Okay, I don't know if that's good. The missile test was a crucial step for the Navy's autonomous vessel program, an extensive initiative to develop 21 robot ships over the next few years. The program is a direct response to the countries such as China, which have been building sophisticated missile technology to target ships that approach their shores. Robot vessels could be a cheaper and more effective way to protect the seas while putting fewer sailors' lives at risk, former naval officers said. Yeah, there will be no more Navy soldiers. So, I don't know, like, who's, who's getting killed by these robots? That, that's kind of where it gets scary. Whoever the U.S. military deems worthy of death. Yeah, no, I don't trust it if you're just getting the robots to do it. Hey, it's fewer people, you know, that get psychologically fucked up by, you know, killing people. I don't know if killing people is what psychologically fucks people up. It's what they go through in boot camp that psychologically fucks them up. 
and all that, all the other shit they go through while they're in the army, all this other psychological torture they go through is what fucks them up. Huh? Yeah. What did you say? I said it's it's uh, the psychological torture you go through in the military that fucks people up. And that's not what I hear people complain about when they've served in the military. Okay. I mean, I complain about just watching way like from when I see people before they get in the army and when I see them after they get out of the army, they've just become totally fucking, just totally fucked up by it. It's mean. Usually having to shoot kids and stuff like that fucks you up. Yeah, but I think even if you're not involved in a war, I've seen people like back when they weren't fighting in a war per se, they were just fucked up by just being in that military atmosphere. Like whatever their superiors did to fuck with them. That's your opinion. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good opinion. You know, but what I've seen from people, like once they get in the military and when they get out, how different they are, it's, it's pretty scary. But in recent weeks, a growing chorus of watchdogs, experts, analysts, and former naval officers have cautioned that any grand plans to use artificial intelligence to modernize naval fleets are unrealistic because of budgetary constraints and the difficulty of building artificial intelligence that can adequately replace sailors. I think they're just reaching for straws in that statement. I don't know. Because the AI is just going to get more and more intelligent. Yeah, no, this, this is scary to me. Moreover, ethicists and experts raise red flags that deploying drone ships that can patrol the seas and shoot enemies carries geopolitical repercussions. Mm-hmm. It ain't no different than shooting somebody with a drone that flies in the air. Yeah, no, I mean, all that's kind of where it's getting lame, but okay, uh, what, what else is in the article? It raises the stakes a lot, said Peter Asaro, an artificial intelligence expert at the New School in New York. Small countries like North Korea or the Philippines could just crank out a bunch of little naval robots and suddenly have a strong defense mechanism against a big military or navy like the U.S. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried about how the U.S. would use this shit. But yeah, now this all is, is, is pretty scary. I mean, any country that has this technology could use it to seriously screw with people. I mean, it definitely shouldn't be legal in our own country, at least. I mean, you gotta think, like, if a ship is shot down... It ain't gonna matter because they could just build another one as opposed to losing soldiers. Could be, but the people that wind up getting killed by these robots, it's not gonna be a good thing. 
for them. Exactly. It's just death by human or death by, well, a few humans. Which do you choose? Yeah, no. That's pretty scary. Because then you can pick a sociopath to do all the killing missions instead of a regular soldier that does it, you know. Yeah, no, well, that's what we should be doing. That makes more sense. You know, somebody who's not going to have nightmares about, you know, killing thousands of people with, you know, with a targeted missile. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think we could take everybody that's a serial killer that's in jail, and and you know, they could put them in the military instead of jail, or not, maybe not even the military. You know, just put them out in the streets, let them kill a certain amount of people. You know, and and, and instead of giving everybody, getting everybody to take a stupid shot or uh, or whatever, uh, you know, instead of trying to kill them through this vaccine, kill them through just releasing serial killers, just break randomly into people's houses and kill them in the middle of the night or whatever. Yeah, that would look so good for the government. Well, and this looks good for the government? Technically. Not really. When the first people get killed by robot armies, that's not going to look good for the federal government. How so? Because it's just like some random group of people that's just going to be killed by robots. It's like... Hardly. They'd be, you know, enemies of the United States. It's not like they're just going to have ships roaming around killing people. Yeah, but that's it. It's like... The U.S. decides who's going to be their enemy and which group of, of uh, people they're going to kill with robots this time. I don't know. That, that just seems pretty lame. I mean, it's either they're going to get killed by five people or get killed by, you know, 20,000 people. Yeah, I don't know. That's getting too, too weird there. Because you got to think of it in a simple way. Like, that's a lot of money the government would save. A lot less soldiers getting killed. Yeah, yeah. But then the experience of being, um, oh, the enemies of the U.S. getting killed by robots now. And then what if if all these other countries start using robots? It's not going to be a good scene. Putin's been planning on having robot soldiers. That's what I mean. This is all starting to get really ridiculous. It's all starting to go way, way too far now. Hey, that's the future. You gotta be ahead of it. I don't know. I'd rather be ahead of the future where you can watch... Uh, uh, I'd rather be a part of the future where you can watch... Uh, where any kid can flick the remote control and see a woman fucking a dog on on uh, TV and shit. Hey, that's yeah. what this globalist government is planning. Yeah, you'll get your dream, Calcas. Just well, probably won't come in the coming. form that you're 
wishing it would. What is it? I said, your dream's coming. It's just probably not going to take the form that you thought it would. Okay, what do you think it's for? Oh, shit. Oh, no. Uh, I think... Trying to get it back again. And I'm tired of my shit disappearing. Well, that's what happens when you live with a bunch of tweakers. disappears and oh that's something else if I can't get it back that I gotta try to buy (laughs) with the limited amount of money that I have Let's go to the next article. We're still on this one. Okay, yeah, we're okay. So what, what else in this article? After conducting an 18-month-long study on the program, Shelby S. Oakley a director at the Government Accountability Office said there are a number of issues. According to her report, the ships will cost billions more to build, deploy and outfit with software than estimated, and at present the military has only vague plans for how they'll be used. But most notably, the Navy doesn't have a good grasp of the technological challenges it is going to face, in trying to make these vessels autonomous, the report found. I mean, it'd probably be easier to make that than making a robot that could walk around on its own. 
For example, Oakley said if the Navy envisions autonomous vessels being out at sea for 30 to 60 days on end, artificial intelligence software will have to do many things sailors normally would do to maintain the ship. Things like keeping the ship's hull intact and performing oil changes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see how that'd be too hard. It's going to require a huge investment in this digital infrastructure in the artificial intelligence to achieve that, she said. And that's where we've seen underfunding on the part of the Navy. This is not the first time the Navy's program has gotten scrutiny for being unclear about its autonomous vessel plans. In March 2021, shortly after the Navy released its roadmap for commissioning autonomous vessels, legislatures and Congress raised concerns. Representative Elaine Loria, Democrat, Virginia, a former naval officer, says she was really disappointed with the lack of substance in the Navy's report. Called the unmanned campaign plan, I thought it was full of buzzwords and platitudes, but really short on details, she said. Then in a House Armed Services subcommittee here. Despite criticism, the end goal is ambitious. In December 2020, the Navy's 30-year shipbuilding plan called for 143 autonomous ships to be in service by 2045. Okay. With the first 21 to be ready by 2025. Okay. Which is in three years. Okay. The Navy estimates those initial vessels cost at $4.3 billion. For the rest, the Congressional Budget Office estimated an average of $1.2 billion per year, reports show. Uh-huh. Not to mention, they could make the United States ship fleet bigger. Which means that, you know, we would have even more water superiority. Okay. Because we could just swarm someone like the Chinese or the Russians with, you know, ships on the sea. Okay. At the moment, the Pentagon has six vessel prototypes it plans on testing. They range from medium and large ships that operate above water to large and extra-large submarine-like vessels that can operate deep undersea. According to Defense Department regulations, humans are required to be involved in deploying weapons from vessels. But experts said it is possible that rule might change if China develops the capability to jam signals that autonomous vessels would use to talk with command centers and other ships in the area. Okay.
Tom Sugart, an adjunct senior fellow at the Center for a New American Security, said the Navy is building these ships with one enemy primarily in mind, China. Okay. I don't feel as bad if they're killing Chinese. <laughs> hey, Kyle. You know, a life's a life, whether they're yellow or not. Yeah, well, then, you know, but if they're Chinese, then, you know, they're like really just a lame country right now. And uh, I don't know. So they deserve to be mowed down by the mindless killers of the United States Autonomous Fleet? I don't know. I mean, we really shouldn't fight a war with China, but I don't know. Yeah, no, we probably shouldn't. You got a point there. Uh, just being the devil's advocate. Well, no, no. If you're being truly the devil's advocate, it's just like, hey, cool. However anybody can kill anybody, you know. Whatever causes the most amount of deaths is what we want, you know. All right, ready to go to the next article. Okay, um... Yeah, this, I don't know. I, I still don't know if I like the idea of robot armies. That, that's scary. But okay, let's go to the next article. To be fair, I don't like it. It's just I think it's going to be inevitable. Whereas the Borg would say resistance is futile. Well, that's what we got to say to the religious people. Resistance to a, a bestiality on, on regular TV is, is uh, and resistance to a child porn on regular uh, HD TV is uh, futile. You ought to just make it all legal now. It's going to be the future. The hey, future of TV Disney, that's the plan. What? Said Ash Disney, that's the plan. Well, let's hope, uh, I don't know, let's hope uh, Disney gets a special uh, subsidiary to do child porn. You know, my, my Disney crotchless, uh, my Disney six-year-old crotchless princess. <laughs> movie in the future, I'm telling you. It's going to come pretty soon. Yeah, I won't be watching, but have that <laughs> Cases surged just when U.S. thought it was over COVID. Yeah, and this is probably propaganda. I don't even want to go into it. Well, it's probably the announcement of renewed lockdowns. Well, we'll see if they say anything about renewed lockdowns. I mean, is it just like, oh, there's a bunch of people dying from blah, blah, blah strain, you know? Yeah, it's just saying that That after two months of decline, the numbers are surging again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go again. Don't fuck up my life the next couple of months. We're going to get violent if you shut too, 
if you start bringing back the vaccine mandates. I doubt it. Well, Those people in California are too sheeple. Yeah, we got we got now that we stopped it so far. We we got everything, every place to stop this shit. They can't start this shit up again. There's got to be violence if they start this shit up again. Then a body in Indiana was identified after 30 years. Mm. What was this body? Do you really care? Yeah, I guess not. Let's go to the next. Unless there's something really heavy important. I mean, is it, was it a political thing or was it just like some murder or something? Murder. Yeah, okay, who cares? Zelensky's global warning about possible Russian nukes. Okay, well, I don't think Putin's dumb enough to use nukes, but okay, let's go into this since everybody's getting scared. As the United States enters year three of the coronavirus pandemic. Oh, wait. I clicked on the wrong story. Zelensky, world should be worried about potential Russian nuclear strike. Okay. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said all of the countries of the world should be concerned that Russia could turn to nuclear weapons as the war in Ukraine nears its third month. Okay. Not only me, all of the world, all of the countries have to be worried, Zelensky said when asked by CNN on Friday if he was worried that Russia could use a tactical nuke. The Russians are out to kill me. Trying to kill me, bro. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase me, Putin. Help me. Help me, please. Because it can be not real information, but it can be truth. Whatever the fuck that well, means. If it's, if it's truth, it's real information. It's... 
Zelensky said he could see the use of chemical or nuclear weapons because for them, life of the people is nothing. Yeah, but I, I think Russia would be more likely to use chemical weapons before they use nuclear weapons. Yeah, you can't rule over a radioactive wasteland. Yeah, but I, I just don't think Putin's dumb enough to do that. He'd have nothing to gain and more to lose. Yeah, I mean, I'd picture him using chemical weapons before I'd picture him using nukes. We should not be afraid, be ready, but that is not a question only for Ukraine, he said. It's for all the world, I think so. Maybe our nuclear annihilation will happen soon. Maybe Putin. Maybe you can. Maybe you can help make this shit stop. Maybe you can make this nightmare end. Putin, push the fucking button. Blow up this fucking country, please. Now they're saying make that Putin's in. forces were beheading people in Buka. Like, it's just getting more and more grandiose. That's why, like, my belief in this Buka massacre, not that it happened, but that it's as bad as they're saying. It's just like, dude, you're really starting to accuse them of every little fucking thing. What are they, ISIS now? Yeah, they might be. Since Maybe when did Russian I'm military be converted to Islam? Like, since when did Russia do beheadings? I don't know, but if they did, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, like, chopping some... There's nothing... Almost nothing cooler than chopping somebody's head off. You know, outside of blowing people up. But chopping people's head off is, like, the second coolest thing other than blowing people up. Testimonies show that unarmed civilians in Ukraine are being killed in their homes and streets. In acts of unspeakable cruelty and shocking brutality, Agnes Kalamard, Secretary General of Amnesty International, said in the report adding the international killing of civilians is a human rights violation and a war crime. These deaths must be thoroughly investigated, and those responsible must be prosecuted, including up the chain of command. Damn, that's got to be fun as hell. Says the guy who doesn't know how gross it is to see a decapitated body. I know, but I'd probably dig it. The grosser the better. When it comes to my enemies dying, the grosser the better. On Thursday, CIA Director William Burns said that potential desperation could cause Russian President Vladimir Putin to turn to nuclear weapons, but noted he hadn't seen a lot of practical evidence. 
given the potential desperation of President Putin and the Russian leadership, given the setbacks they've faced so far militarily. None of us can take lightly the threat posed by a potential resort to tactical nuclear weapons or low-yield nuclear weapons. Burns said at an event at Georgia Tech. While we've seen some rhetorical posturing on the part of the Kremlin about moving to higher nuclear alert levels, so far we haven't seen a lot of practical evidence of the kind of deployments or military dispositions that would reinforce that concern. We watch for that very intently. NBC News reported last week that the Biden administration is deploying declassified information, even when it is not rock solid, in an attempt to undermine Moscow's propaganda and prevent Russia from defining how the war is perceived in the world. (laughs) See, that's what I'm like. They're admitting that they're going to release shit that's fake, just to make Russia look bad. Is this is Ukraine saying this? No, the U.S. Okay, well then, that's fucked up. Somebody's got to call Biden on, on that, and you're going to put out purposely lies to make Putin look worse than he does. Then to make Putin look like he's doing worse shit than he's really doing? Nobody's Nobody's asking... Biden questions on that when they interview him for the press? Of course not. Like, they do like what Yahoo News and NBC News is doing right now. They just talk about it, but then they don't comment on it. So then they don't give any opinion. So it's just, oh, a a wisp, a willow of the wisp. No, but I mean, this is heavy. This is Putin saying he's that, he, that he's purposely giving wrong information, you know, Biden. saying that Putin's doing stuff that he's not doing. Yeah. And this Biden saying that, that's scary. Hey, that's what it's like. We're Obama legalized propaganda in the U.S. And now Biden is using that law to its fullest extent. Okay, so now we don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah, because I'll read that one again. NBC News reported last week that the Biden administration is deploying declassified information even when it is not rock solid in an attempt to undermine Moscow's propaganda and prevent Russia from defining how the war is perceived in the world. So Putin, or so Biden is willing to give us lies. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. And I'm Kyle Chaos. So what are we doing now? Yeah, true. Okay, so tune in next time when we hear more about how we're being screwed with and how we're trying to stop ourselves from being screwed with. Um, I don't know, I guess the immigrants in Texas might be less screwed with. 
Uh, I'm trying to think if there's other stuff on how we're stopping ourselves from being screwed with. I don't know. Well, mostly it was about us being screwed with. Okay, like usual. And then, just to reiterate, Biden is willing to release false, non-rock-solid classified information so he can make Putin look bad. Okay, well, that makes me not know who to believe now. And Elon Musk will probably not buy Twitter for at least a year. No, that's definitely us being screwed with there. I think buying line is bigger than that. Yeah, no. Both ways that we're really being screwed with. Alright. Get out of here, you hippies. Hippie is leaving the premises. Alright, please, Audi. Please, Audi. <laughs>